This evening's Dharma talk is titled Hard and Soft Discipline. And the way that the way that title, uh, there's, there's more than maybe just those two kinds, but I want to speak about it in that way. Starting out with a hard discipline, which I am I'm very familiar with, uh, maybe not, well, not every form of it, but a form, having spent four years in the United States Marine Corps and have, having gone through um, boot camp, what's called boot camp, and, uh, uh, and the 2nd Infantry Training Regiment at Camp Pendleton in Oceanside, California. So I have a, a pretty good memory of that. And it was uh, it was extremely difficult to get out of uh, high school at 18 years old and go into a place where you were really t- treated quite terribly. And uh, the, as I was told uh, kind of up front, uh, the way that they work with this is they first in- insult you, uh, mock you, make fun of you, uh, torture you and uh, more or less break you down as much as they can. So you feel like, I think they're uh, the metaphor I often heard. And there was a few other ones, but one of them that is uh, I'm able to use here is whale shit on the bottom of the ocean. They wanted you to be that low so that when they began to bring you back up as a Marine, they had actually kind of done a little bit of a heavy handed transmutation on your identity. And uh, it was a a pretty powerful technique to uh, do what? Control you. Uh, The military is all about control. And it's all about uh, uh, an intense uh, hierarchy called chain of command that is governed by the uniform code of military justice, which meets out a very, very intense punishment for anyone who (laughs) tries to step outside that form in the four years that you're in. So you are, as they say, perhaps I've heard this before, you're government property. You don't no longer, you're not free there. You are the property of the military. Not easy, but then again, in a crazy world like we've been in for many, many, many centuries, um, there are other militaries that are trying to control and take things over. It's kind of like uh, defending ourselves, I guess you'd say. <clears throat> my father uh, was uh, did not want to go in back when he was 26, 25 years old, and he had to go in anyway because there was a mandatory draft uh, during World War II. He went in uh, and uh, and was killed on March 16th, 1945 in Andernach, Germany, shot off the back of a tank. Um, while... Uh, uh, as it is con- conventionally said, while defending our freedoms. So um, might not be quite as clear as that, but there's something to that. Um, as I was told by my mother, he did not want to go. He told her that he would not be coming back. He said he, he knew that he was going to uh, not come back from there. And somehow he knew that. Apparently he was intuitive. I don't know what kind of training he received in the uh, in the, that uh, was the Fifth Armored Tank Division uh, tank or infantry support of the that armored division, but I'm pretty sure it was pretty intense, especially during wartime. Uh, and I know when I was uh, in when I went through, there was no war uh, 
official war was happening, although the, there were, uh, uh, my understanding, were there U.S. troops in, in Vietnam already, uh, there were already casualties there, but just wasn't talked about. <clears throat> so what I wanted to say is that hard discipline, that kind of control, having forms that are so strict and so, so, so strong that you, you started to weave outside of it, especially in the initial stages of training, um, they've started right in punishing you. Uh, I was, I was beat several times uh, in the military. And uh, the very first beating I got was the first time I came out of a, out of the shower and uh, the gunnery sergeant, I even remember his name, gunnery sergeant Ledoux. And he was uh, about six, two and, uh, look something like Charles Atlas. <laughs> so uh, he I came out of the shower naked with all the rest of the men coming out, young men, 18, 19 years old, and they were holding up their hands. He would say something. And then when I got to him, I didn't know what it was. He would say, let me see your hands. And he, he said, I held him up like this. And he had what's called a swagger stick. It was very much like this, uh, only it was round and had a, had a brass uh, cap on each end. Um, much different than uh, what this is, uh, much different uh, use also, but makes me think of that. Um, and so, you want to catch that little bug over there? We have a visitor, and he's nosy. So, <clears throat> a very small bug about so big. So, so when I held out my hands, he came down on my, across my, and my knuckles with his swagger stick was very painful and said, and all he said is in a very kind of a brusque, kind of a John Wayne kind of voice, stop biting your nails. I, I really never even realized I, I bit my nails, but I guess I did. Uh, and needless to say, I stopped biting my nails. Um, so I just want to give you a little idea. There are other things happened that I'm not going to go into everything, but I'm saying it was very, very strict and quite a contrast from being uh, in high school here in Michigan. Um, my reason for going in to flesh out the whole story a little bit is I really didn't know what the hell to do with myself. Uh, I looked around over on Anderson Court to see if there was a monastery yet. <laughs> And there wasn't a monastery there, so I wasn't able to do that, uh, which uh, I might add is one of the reasons there is a monastery here. So uh, you could actually uh, work with a different kind of training than the kind I went into it went into trying to figure out how to grow up. If you're if you're 18 years old and you realize you don't know who you are, you, you know, you're not mature, you know, you need some kind of help. So what do you turn to whatever your society provides you? And in this case, it was. Uh, the military. <clears throat> so I'll say a, a couple more things about it. Uh, if you made any mistakes, you were punished. You were, you were punished. I, uh, when I went to Camp Matthews on the rifle range to qualify there, um, I was, uh, uh, my drill instructor was behind me and watched me dump uh, a clip and eight rounds right into the butts. The butts are the areas between the targets, not the targets. <laughs> so, and I, my, uh, I was about two clicks off on my left windage and uh, on my M1 Garand, and I dumped the whole whole, whole uh, clip between the targets, not onto the target. Uh, my drill instructor saw that and uh, 
and called and called me into the duty tent that evening, and uh, and and asked me to bring my leather gloves. So you can imagine how creepy that made me feel. But I brought my gloves, and he and the other drill instructor, one of them put their gloves on in front of me very ceremoniously like this, my gloves. And then uh, the other drill instructor was somewhere behind me. But when you come in, you come up to the duty tent, you say you have a rock on the, on the pole, and you strike it, and you say, you hit the rock on there, and you say, Sir, Private Brown, request permission to enter the duty tent. Everything was very, very ritualized and very, very formal. And then they would then they would yell at you. They weren't. They wouldn't say you may enter private. They would no. They would call you names, uh, and not ones I'm going to repeat here. Uh, get your whatever in here, and you would come in and you would do a facing movement in front of the uh, what I would now call an altar, uh, but back then it was just uh, the de uh, the desk of the drill instructor. Turn and face that, and then you you put your eyes right at a certain place on the bulkhead. About as close as I was going to come to uh, to to um, uh, Shikantaza for quite a number of years, and when you did that, then that's when the drill instructor came in front of you, put on the leather gloves, and then was very very overly sweet to you. Oh, it looked like you were having some trouble out there today, Private. Is that true? And as as soon as you would look at them, they would yell at you, "Don't you dare look at me." Uh, it's just terrible for some for a, an 18 year old child basically but you did what you were told to do you did the best you could and, and this is a called a hard discipline very hard and so then uh as soon as you said anything he would uh, make fun of you or mock you or what this guy was only like 25 years old and uh, the the drill instructor behind me might have been a little bit older and um, and so I, uh, uh, he told me to, to put my eyes back on the bulkhead and uh, not to look at him. And I did that. And then I, I think I had some kind of a response as a, maybe an excuse or something. And he punched me in the stomach. And at the same time he punched me in the stomach, the other drill instructor punched me in the middle of my back. So all of my air went out. And then I think they hit me a few more times, but not quite as hard as that first time. And I dropped down and they yelled at me to stand at attention. So anyway, this is a, this is what I got for uh, making a mistake. In other words, not following the exact form, uh, even though uh, it was challenging. So, um, and there was a lot of other stories that happened uh, after that that I could go into that I'm not going to now. I just thought I would share that re a couple of really intense ones where you were corrected. And that's how they trained you. And so you were, they trained you out of frightening you to follow that form no matter what. And by doing this, it changed your conditioning. And it made you feel like, you know, uh, a whale shit in the bottom of the ocean. So you did not feel good. But what they do is they would beat you down, beat you down, and then slowly start to bring you up. And uh, it was uh, three months uh, the three months of boot camp uh, in the Marine Corps. They, didn't, they never called you a Marine. They just, they called you private or recruit or other terrible names. And then when you went to second ITR, which is a, which is a Camp Pendleton, another place, then they started calling you Marine. And then you, you were, uh, uh, went into more combat training and so on like that, which is about how to kill people methodically.
So uh, that's hard discipline. And I'm sure there are lots of other forms of discipline that could be called hard or intense or uh, intensely uh, formal and supported by maybe fear. It could be just fear of failure. You need to do this or you don't pass. Or you need to do this. Or you don't get your, you need to follow this, follow this. You need to, you need to pass this test or you won't get, uh, you won't graduate. Uh, even though the, the test they give you, it's about control. It's not about actually testing your intelligence. Those of you who've been to, been to college or has some training, realize that you really can't test uh, what is necessary to test if you want to find out what's really happening with a person, because it only tests quite often your memory relative to other things that you have to remember this, remember that, remember that. Not wrong, not a bad thing to test, not a bad thing to know about if a person can remember what they've just been taught. And also you have to um, uh, learn to follow and execute certain kinds of formulas. They don't give you the, the problem. They, they might give you the problem, but they say, this is the only way you can solve it. You can't do it any other way. So another hard discipline. Not wrong. I'm not here to judge that. It's probably the most secure way, especially if you're doing um, open heart surgery. There's not a particular area where you want to ad lib. You better know what you're doing. That being said, that that particular structure and control, the people who are really great at because they're able to, to move outside the creative a creative way of relating to the unexpected that are, will arise in any given situation that the formula is meant to address, but can't because you um, things are never the same. They're never the way you expect them to be. So uh, that's where people begin to, uh, if they make it through the first few levels of the intense formal structure, all val all valuable. I'm not here to criticize it. I'm just hard forms medium hard, uh, uh, soft uh, forms, but that are still fairly tight and controlled. And then softer forms that are more, much more about understanding the nature of form, more about the awareness of the form rather than com compliance or control or you're testing the result. Or uh, And it's just a, a slowly stepping away from the the path, the mundane path of materialism, control and results and conquest and all of that stuff. And all of the macho things that show up around that uh, slowly moving into a form that is, uh, you could say, is more creative, but uh, is also at some area, some maybe some points, maybe not points. Maybe you can't even see a, a gradation happening there into the spiritual path, which begins to transcend. Uh, this relative situation that we seem to be so enamored of and uh, in love with and, excuse me, struggle with. So the softer form, there are also soft, strong forms, hard forms in monasteries. Uh, there are hard forms in uh, all, all the different lineages that have come to this country from, uh, from these cultures that are very macho and very masculine, the Tibetan cultures very strong, very authoritarian, very controlled. You can't even practice those things without the permission of somebody who's uh, been doing it for a while, as perhaps you know. 
Uh, and the Zen tradition, uh, very strong. Rinzai Zen is extremely strong. If you go and set, uh, meditate through a, uh, a, a session where there's a strong uh, Rinzai form or even some Soto forms, uh, a lot of control, a lot of manipulation, a lot of uh, uh, um, functional speech, functional this, function. And this is under the pretense of tr control, of training your mind. And I say pretense because it's more than just training your mind. It's getting you to follow orders. I know. I've been there. I've done it. That's why I'm talking about these forms out of my experience and somewhat out of my conclusions. Softer form seems to be uh, making use of the form, and it can be a very tight, strong form. If you come to the Sokokoji, you will find that we... The, the, for, the way we do the sutras in the morning, the four sutras are very, very traditional. If you were to come in and listen or observe what you can, if you go on Zoom, you can hear this happen every morning at 7 o'clock. I think it's a, a, it starts with Han and Bell at 645. Is that correct? And it happens uh, every day, every weekday for sure, and sometimes varies on the weekends. But how that is taught is to introduce someone to the form and and then observe the way in which the, then you as a training person you observe the way in which the person learns rather than you push them into the form uh head first or like they have to conform 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 this doesn't mean that somebody gets to come in and particularly ad lib or we have a few people doing that and they're quite amusing they immediately start to Bad people come and immediately, as soon as they start to learn the form, they immediately have a bunch of suggestions on how to improve a form that we've been doing for hundreds of years. Always quite interesting. The downside is you, know, you can't do that. But the upside is the person, because of the nature of the formal structure in the monastery, uh, that form is quite invisible. It seems so open that, well, sure, you would be able to come up with your own ideas about it. Uh, the person who is there runs into that aspect of the soft form that is still pretty steady. But that steadiness comes out of awareness, not out of what's right, what's wrong, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, and out of a fundamental understanding that observing the form is where the training is, not obeying it. Obeying is uh, obeying a form just uh, takes you in a direction where you start to get credentials from how good you are at doing the form, how good you are at obeying the form how much better you are at striking the Han and Bell or striking the gong in a certain particular kind of order that is much better than what somebody else is doing or, or aligns itself more with the way it was taught. This is why I recently have come up with this way of uh, doing block sitting, where, which started out as a way of helping uh, inmates in prisons get some kind of a uh, some semblance of a retreat practice going by saying, do a block set, sit down, hold still, <clears throat> strike the bell, or they don't have bells. So I'd say, snap your fingers or clap your hands, some sound, start it, and then look out through the bars or look at your bed, uh, look at something. And they would complain about too much noise. It's too, people yelling and everything. I say, well, you know, cut down, a little, cut down on it a little bit, wad up some toilet paper, put it in your ears, give it a little bit of a baffle. And then stay there if you can and let your uh, uh, the men in your um, 
uh, area, if you have other men in the same cell or you're sharing that situation, just let them know you're trying to meditate. You're trying to train your mind and will they help you get, get their cooperation, communication, cooperation, collaboration, get their help. They'll probably be delighted to help you. Not always, but quite often. And so that started that way. And uh, of course, I wasn't in the cell with them, so I don't know how it went. But quite often, I, I got some feedback from uh, people that were in the Michigan Department of Corrections that said that was helpful to them. And they were able to do some of that. They usually would have to do it at midnight till four in the morning because the rest of the time it was too uh, raucous. So then that has slowly developed into... Um, uh, like Bob Holman has uh, sent us this uh, four-hour, uh, I think it's like a thermos, something. I think it was, it's two vases glued together. I don't know how he did that. He might have had somebody do it, because I think Bob is more of a poetic kind of writer. I don't know if he actually makes stuff or not. Am I being silly? Yes, I am. Anyway, it's an hourglass that all that, in four hours, that uh, all the, the sand will be down in the bottom again. So it's a timer. Um, and so the way I talk about this is, of course, use a clock. We could use one of these if you want to get one. But you can use uh, uh, a clock, and and it's a form. It is a form. It's about observing a form and not obeying it. So what do we do? We sit down, and we begin the form. Start with a gong. Start with a sound, not with a, a word. And then four hours later, even if you, in the middle of that four hours, you've gotten up and gone to the refrigerator, gone and laid back on your lawn chair, or maybe even gone for a little short walk or something like that, dependent on how you're, what's coming and going in your mind stream. So observe what's happening rather than obey it. It's, it's just, it's a very subtle situation. And it only took me 30, 35 years to begin to see what was happening in that area. So I was able to teach out of it. And so uh, that means that uh, the differentiation, differentiation between thought patterns arising and your body getting up off the chair and going to the refrigerator or to the lawn chair, wherever, are different. They're different movements, but that not that much different. And a lot of the times uh, uh, we, we note if you're if you are not aware of what's going on, you can actually go out, get in your car or get on your bicycle and ride to the store and completely daydream about something else. We tend to divide the body-mind complex up into two different se sections because it gives us the illusion of control and it can help uh, shield us from things we're having trouble with in the body or shield us from things we're having trouble with in the mind or a little of each in what appears as the mind or appears as the body. And what I'm saying is, you might want to stop doing that or at least slow it down. And one of the ways you can do that is to sit down, begin the practice, strike the gong, watch what moves, including the body getting up and walking out of the room or coming back later. Then I say, no matter what, hold the form. What does that mean? That means start the form. And if you can, of course, if you can, without without stress or without, without um, some kind of macho control situation, which tends to cover up the actual awareness that we are trying to train. Watch what moves. Be genuine with yourself. Be kind to yourself. Don't treat yourself like um, 
like you're you're training a, a an animal that can't uh, uh, understand. I remember my, my uncle when he was training mules. He had a, a team of mules, and he and he was mean to them. He's just mean. And I remember talking to him a little bit about it. He was not likely to listen too much. Is it, you have to do that to them to yeah they won't do it they won't you never get them trained you have to one of the things they had is what well, called a twitch you know what a twitch is yeah a twitch is they have as a rope they put a chain thing around their lip and twist it and that way that if they try to pull away it hurts their lip so they can't go anywhere pretty mean yeah anyway don't do that to yourself so sit down hold still and then. If in 10 minutes you need to get, you can't sit there anymore, hold as still as you can without being rigid. And then uh, it's soft discipline. It's soft. It's not, it's not uh, a weak. It's not weak. It's, it's soft. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, an open dimension where you can see how the mind works relative to the body. Don't ignore that. And how, uh, how do you do that? You might start out by seeing how much you ignore stuff. That's how you find out about uh, passion, aggression, and ignorance. The very nature of ignorance is not being able to see. How can you see how you ignore stuff? No, you can't. You, the way it starts to show up is you know that when you look at something and don't add to it, when you look at something, you don't subtract from it. When you look at something, I don't care what it is, and do nothing with it, eventually you'll be able to see how you push. You'll see how you pull. And then you'll notice that it starts to become more and more clear as the, the cloud bank called ignorance starts to uh, be seen through. Because nothing lasts. Even ignorance, the, that kind of barrier we put up against things of, uh, you know, distraction. I don't know. One of the ways we ignore is to grasp onto something else. It's called distraction. We begin to see that we're, that's why I say, if you want to see what this is, it's right in front of you. I'm not saying it doesn't have uh, 15 layers of aggression, uh, 32 layers of uh, grasping and and passion, and another 20 layers, just to be uh, literal about it, uh, of of ignoring, of ignoring, blocking out walls of the mind. Mukegeko, as it says in the Japanese uh, uh, translation of the Heart Sutra, without walls of the mind. What are the walls of the mind? Any, take your pick. Anything that is stopping you from seeing the truth. And so this is sometimes we need different kinds of discipline. And I've just laid out a couple of really intense forms, pretty intensely soft. Uh, even in our monastery, if you come here and live, you're required to sign a paper. I don't know if we we're continuing to do that. Sometimes if uh, we get spaced out, we don't do too much uh, with that but you're required to sign a paper agreeing to meditate six and a half hours a day. There's a schedule. You're, that doesn't mean that if you have a job, then you can't come. Or if you don't feel good, nobody comes and checks your temperature. All you have to do is say, I don't feel good. And if you do that every day, uh, eventually I will probably talk to you, but it might be, it might not be challenging your, your health or something like that. It might be just saying, do you really want to be here? Might be more like that. Is this a? Is this a? Do you want to be here? Do we, you know, why? Why? Why stay here if you don't really want these forms? So there's no propaganda of trying to get somebody to <coughs> adhere or obey. I I emphasize uh, 
something I call uh, communication, a CCC, communication, cooperation, collaboration. Unless there's a whole lot of communication, you can't get the other two. The other two will be based on, uh, well, things that aren't true, the, the things that we believe are true, but actually are not because uh, the communication is not really, really strong. And so, yeah. No. So, uh, Further questions, if there's some out there. I can continue to talk, or you can take it in another direction. Uno. sometimes. I like your haircut, by the way. It looks really nice. Who cut your hair for you? My teacher cut my hair. Wow. <laughs> Does that look like I was trying to get credit for something? Yeah. But you did a good job. I'm bald now. <laughs> <laughs> I shaved her head off. She's a monk. <laughs> No, I just I just gave her some bangs on the front. They look pretty good. Yeah. 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 What were you gonna say? <laughs> um, uh, we have a practice uh, called a ten day strict solitary retreat. Yes. Is what kind of uh, discipline is that, Bowen? Well, uh, it's what we're, what we're doing in COVID season all the time. It's social distancing uh, in the extreme. You go away and you don't talk to anyone. Uh, the first one I did was in 1974 that Trunk uh sent me into. I didn't ask. He, he he tricked me, basically. And probably you could see that I, if I didn't go into a strict solitary retreat, I would go completely insane <laughs> instead of partially. So uh, it's someplace where you go. And, and I, the way we do it, we sit four hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, another two at night. And then read a Dharma book uh, during uh, whatever it's 10 days and then eat something that we nothing special, something we normally eat and uh, and do shikantaza for four hours in the morning, two in the afternoon, two at night. And the idea there is to is to uh, emphasize that that part of it, the sitting still and watching what moves this is to create a really strong form that someone agrees to. No one is ordered to go into retreat but uh, agrees to do that. And then the teaching person, in this case, me, I would talk to somebody just before they went in and give them answer questions or give them some instruction. And then I may or may not meet with them halfway. It would depend on my relationship to them or how they were with that. And then I would meet them uh, as an exit interview when they went out to help them a little bit. That's not something I got when I did retreats. I got an instruction going in and then it was just no other interaction with the the teacher, let alone with the, the guru. Go ahead. So is there an expected benefit from doing a 10-day solitary retreat or longer? Oh. I, I don't think there's a, uh, an expectation, so to speak, but just that you're, you're deepening your practice so that you can see more clearly into the nature of, of how you uh, keep uh, avoiding the actual reality of what this is dependent origination, uh, why, it's, why it looks like some things are true and some things aren't, uh, how you how you keep covering up the very teaching that you're studying all the time, day in and day out, as we do here. Everything is dependent on everything. Nothing comes from its own side as an independent identity or thing or uh, no, no, no self in the skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness. And no self out in the world and the otherness that is so incredibly uh, believable. Go ahead. Any further questions? Junchu bowing. Yes, Junchu. There are a couple of questions from YouTube. 
Okay, thank you. One from Shane in Virginia. I know him. Hi, Shane. He asks, does relative discipline need to come from an authority? Bowing. Well, <laughs> if it's going to be uh, the hard form, yeah, because otherwise you're not going to do that. Uh, it's not that someone who is, a, say, I'm just going to take a stab at somebody who is in a weightlifter uh, won't impose that on themselves because they're so interested in having uh, results or uh, a football team or basketball or baseball or or anything like that. that won't, some kind of authority will probably need to be there to encourage or set up the forms or uh, enforce them even. Uh, so, uh, and as far as uh, um, meditation practice or the, the, the spiritual path, going out of the mundane path, into the spiritual path, probably going to need uh, something. And, you know, everyone is so different. Um, so I certainly need all kinds of help. And, uh, but I can't, I can't really speak for everyone. I'm not saying there isn't somebody out, somebody that's uh, already realizes their true nature. It's possible. Unlikely, uh, but it's po anything is possible. Anything is Causes and conditions arise in so many ways, but it's it's hard to say. Uh, in your case, Shane, you're going to need help. I mean, big time. I know you really well. You need a lot of help. Can't do it by yourself. That's meant to be funny. You certainly can do anything you want, and you can prove me wrong. As soon as you attain enlightenment, come and talk to me. I want to. I want to. I want to see uh, what that's like for you. Question from Kyosaku. I just finished eating some pecan pie and I'm a bit nauseous. If there was no I, who would feel nauseous? Just nauseous would feel nauseous. Nauseous doesn't have to have an identity to have that. Those are the feelings of, of nauseous. And by the way, you got any of that left? I really <laughs> like pecan pie. And it never makes me nauseous. Uh, it's just, uh, I, haven't, I think, have a, when's the last time I had pecan pie? Three years ago, maybe? Yeah, long time. It's actually a health food, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you got to take the sugar out, of course. But um, So I'll say it again. I'll say it a, a little differently. I'll say that which is describing the nauseousness and asking the question uh, is the, the, the illusion of someone was having that feeling but there is no host there's no host for that feeling uh there's no host. there's no one there who's saying i'm the one who's who's opening and having this feeling come in it isn't that there isn't something hosting that but it is not an identity it's not a solid being it's not a self it's and anything you think is feeling nauseous is unreal the nausea is dependently arisen, so it's, that's why it's so damn magnetic. I mean, I'm sick, so, but no, I'm not sick. Sickness is sick. Causes and conditions uh, get together and actually conspire through dependent origination to make, create the illusion of a self, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness, uh, name and form, the sixth sense feels and their objects conspire because of the the cooperation, just like the sixth consciousness, according to the Yogacara tradition. Without that, uh, the consciousness that is behind this hand movement and the consciousness that is behind this uh, 
this uh, voice and the consciousness that is viewing what's in front of it would not be synchronized or coordinated. They would be uh, closer to what they actually are is independent. The, the sense of uh, into to the one who is liberated, and I can't speak for uh, all the Buddhas of the Ten Directions and the Three Time, but the one who is clear about the, what this is still has still has a, a body, still has a seeing, a smelling, tasting, touching, uh, hearing, thinking, and all of that. But those areas don't get together and hold hands and pre- present the world or itself in the mirror as somebody. They are they are independent of any kind of uh, personhood. The personhood itself is something that is brought together in the sixth and seventh consciousness. And so you can make another realm or you can make a realm in between. And, you know, it's a pretty open dimension if you want to make up stuff. But that which that which is uh, nauseous is the same one that is tasting the pecan pie. Not someone else. It's just the taste is tasting. The consciousness is, con- is consciousness. Consciousness always finds its own form. Even if it's hell, even if it goes to hell, it's still finding the a form of what of of its suffering, suffering. So it finds that form, it finds that particular demon and fights with it. You don't need to do that. You can train your mind right now. Whatever's showing up in the mind stream is dependently risen. I'm not saying that there isn't. For uh, 15 or 20 causes and conditions that are com- completely rooted in your particular mind stream that are creating distress for you, of course. Of course there are. We're not denying it. We're not trying to cover it up and say, oh, that's not real. Well, you might have to say that's not real to some extent, but that's like yelling at a Stephen King movie. Ah, that's not real. That doesn't bother me. We'll go watch one sometime. Go watch The Shining and with, with, with Piek Pecan Pie. <laughs> And a smile. See how far you get. I mean, that's a, especially that movie, but other other movies too are are, are difficult because the the creation of an illusion is so powerful that you know it's uh it's like if you're the only one that ever saw the C- uh, Stephen King movie, and no one else was ever allowed to see that, and then you and then and that was your experience. In other words, that was your interior monologue, dialogue, cinemascope. Technicolor, that's you. Uh, imagine what it would be like to try to tell anybody what you were going through. It would be difficult because you would just want to cover that up or do something with it. Because if there's still a sense of somebody experiencing something, then you're right back to the, the primary illusion, which is duality, dvaita, uh, dividedness, dvaita. And to see through that is the other way is advaita or non-dual, not two. Just fancy words that come out of ancient uh, teachings of the uh, sages of ancient India. And they're here. They're, they're, it's showing up right now. We're talking about it. So I have some more pie. <laughs> Jim Chubowing. Yes. More about the pecan from pie. Emmanuel. But the first is, so consciousness can be trained. Is that a question? Yes. No. No, can't. But consciousness, consciousness will find its own form. Awareness can be trained. You can emphasize 
uh, that aspect of consciousness we call awareness. So I can be aware of the of the screen. I can be aware of my hands. But uh, uh, the very nature of awareness is ignorance. But you have to see it. I mean, it's a concept that, that may make sense to you, may not. It's not separate from ignorance. That's why it's so powerful. That's why it's so powerful to sit down and just be aware of the wall. This is how you see ignorance. Or be aware of the um, uh, back of your uh, closet door or your refrigerator. It doesn't have to be a, a wall. What's your next question there? Is that manual? Yes, Emmanuel. What practices are recommended for someone who can't go to a monastery? Well, if you have a if you have a hallway or a bedroom, uh, go in and uh, sit down and find a blank wall or something and and spend time in front of that. I would say just uh, there's no specific time, but you know, roughly an hour a day, and then do some as I talked about earlier, block sitting, uh, and. Uh, if you don't have any kind of instruction on this, you can watch the videos that are all over the place that I do or the podcasts where I talk about meditation. I also have a book. I'm not here to market the book particularly, but it's a meditation primer. It's for sale in the monastery. And it's also on uh, uh, Kindle. Yeah, on Kindle. And you can go on Amazon and get it in a few minutes. 17 guided meditations training you how to do Shikantaza. And a couple of other Dharma talks saying, Meditation is terrible. I think that's one of the titles. No. Is that what it is? No. Meditation doesn't work. That's right. Talks one and two. Any further questions? Excuse I'm bowing. If it seems like I can get into the area of obeying forms, is it helpful to intentionally try to loosen that up? Nope. Don't, don't intentionally loosen up anything. If you notice that you're doing, it's just your style. I mean, I for one thing, I can respond to this very quickly because I know you pretty well. We've known each other for a couple of years. We're practically sweethearts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm married, so that can't happen. And, and you used to be, so. Uh, I understand what you're saying. And I would say, you know, I, I wouldn't say don't do that, but maybe a little bit. I would be uh, always look at your intention when you try to do this or tighten this or loosen this. L look at the intention. Like, what am I, what am I, what do I really want to do here? What am I really trying to do? Am I trying to uh, reboot my whole ego system? Am I trying to download some kind of special technique? Uh, am I, what am I really doing? The very best practice you can do, uh, as far as I know. Uh, as far as I know, is to receive. Just sit down, just receive the world. Receive the world in terms of your preconceptions, your ideas, your judgments, your evaluations, your hope and your fear. No more war with anything. Whatever happens to you, you got it coming. Not because you're to blame, it's because of dependent origination. There isn't anything but this. And it is looks like a lot of different stuff, the 10,000 things. But that's that's just a tremendous misunderstanding. That leads to what? War. It leads to peace. It leads to war, which are two names for the same thing. If you think otherwise, then go ahead. Think otherwise. You can think anything you want. If you have questions about it, I'd be happy to respond. Kozan. Um, this was inspired by the, I think, Emmanuel's question about training train consciousness. Yes. You say train your mind. 
What is it that's being trained? You know, it's just a way of saying it. I don't know what else to say. I could say meditate. I could say train your mind. Uh, I could say we don't even know what the mind is. We kind of know what it does. It gives us a hard time. Uh, we don't we really can't find it's That whole area is, even though it's very common and we all share in that, we, we even say to each other, well, what do you think about so-and-so? I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I've been thinking about that lately, and I'm not so sure about that as I was a week ago. I mean, we just have these conversations as if our thought patterns somehow had some purchase on the world, and we could just think around everything and be in control and know when to, when to go out and round up the cattle. I mean, it's like it's so incredibly uh, illusory, that this feeling of stability. It's incredible. We don't see impermanence. If we, if you actually see impermanence, uh, I probably won't have to even encourage you to train your mind. You'll want to know what this is. What is this that seems to be collapsing right in front of my eyes called the human form? So we don't notice it. You might notice it after a few years, more wrinkles. We notice, notice that nobody seems to live, even Rush Limbaugh. I mean, 70 years old, you thought, my good, my goodness, Rush, Rush would live forever, wouldn't he? Somebody with that kind of intensity. <laughs> no, he died. He's gone. And, and dependently risen. So go ahead. There was more to that question, wasn't there? Um, what's, what is, a, we're training awareness. What is being trained? Yeah, my way of saying it is we're, we're slowing down so that we aren't quite so, uh, this is something that Trunk Rinpoche talked about, about being speedy. The mind is so speedy. It's going here and going there and going here. Slow down and just watch the speediness. If you watch it for a while, eventually it slows down. It's actually, you can actually get some really good feelings, you could say, or, or, or um, um, a calmness. It's sometimes even call calm abiding. Just sit down, hold still, and just let everything, let all the, let all the silt fall to the bottom and just relax. You can you can get some of that. You've had experiences like that. Anybody who's done a lot of meditating, uh, but it, it's not it's not realization. Uh, realization might be a lot more difficult than just learning how to relax. So you're, what you're doing is you're you're training. So far, it is a training. You're you're training your mind to to um, stabilize in the sense that whatever rises, you just watch that. You just observe whatever it is. And if it starts to slow down, you don't chase it. If it starts to speed up, you don't chase it. If it starts to slow down, you don't grasp it. If it starts to go away, you don't go after it. You don't do anything with it unless the dependent origination that is coming up actually opens up in such a way that you feel like you have to push on that, that you have to do it. I say, don't do anything unless you have to. And this way, you're, you'll be very respectful to other people, to your situation, and you you won't do you do a lot less uh, with everything with people you will listen to people more you will actually be able to listen to and watch and observe your own thoughts come and go without any addition of I shouldn't be thinking that or any addition like I need to think more about that it's a it's a it's soft discipline it doesn't it doesn't have any any kind of uh, um, any kind of goal that has a hard edge to it. If there's a goal there, it's to, what is true? What is what is fundamentally true? What is this? If you see what this is, that's true. And if you see what it is uh, relatively, 
uh, then you will see what, and fundamentally what it is relative, then you see what it is ultimately, ultimately, because those are not two different things. They sure look like it. More? If you're, if we're endeavoring to observe what moves, if it moves faster, if it moves slow, how could there be such, how could there be a distraction? Fear. What is a distraction? Fear. Fear that fear of coming apart, fear of disintegrating, fear that who you are is going to go away or get worse or or lose or um, or uh, be made a fool of. Any any destabilization of the ego mind, which is fairly stable, relatively speaking, it could be any number of things. We people stabilize their ego with their credentials or identity. We just watched it in the public office, just extreme stabilization based on fear fear of anything i mean so much fear that it was uh, nauseating to watch it sometimes as you know but but, but it's dependent there isn't there's no one to blame for any of that you can't find a can't find a first cause for that it's just the nature of samsara as the buddha talked about at the same time the peloponnesian wars were going on the buddha was talking about this I don't know if they were actually coincidental, but very close to that area. You're saying life is suffering, the cause of desire, the goal is cessation, and the path of Shila Samadhi and Prajna, or discipline, uh, meditation, wisdom, simply put, and then began to talk about other, other aspects of uh, the relative truth or the physical existence for them. Any further questions uh, from anyone? Yes. Question from Eric Blackwell. Eric. How or does personal acceptance play into discipline and its effect on these aspects? Yeah, don't worry about accepting yourself. This is how accepting yourself, uh, the way I see it. And if you're listening to someone else, that you have a good connection with, or listen to them. You know, I'm, I'm not right and they're wrong. I'm just saying that this is how, from doing this for a while and having some experience, this is how self-acceptance looks. It's ignorance. You're closing down and ignoring, and you're reifying, establishing a person, a person with has a good has good self-esteem. This is not wrong. Wrong. Some people they can't do this practice. They need to do some kind of therapy, some kind of of uh, of going in and seeing they're valuable, that they are not the, uh, the the sad sack that their parents told them they were, or they, they don't have anything to be ashamed of, that they can be proud of themselves. That Those are relative ways. The only thing about that is those are temporary. They don't deal with uh, uh, impermanence. In other words, death comes without warning. Whereas the spiritual path, there isn't anything it doesn't deal with, uh, deal with, deals with everything. Even the things you're not clear about yet, but will show up if you continue on the spiritual path. So I would say self-acceptance. Don't if you're a student of mine and you've ever heard me say it, you just have to accept it. Uh, you can probably count how many times I've said that on maybe uh, one hand. I have said it. There are times, conditionally, situationally, where that's the only thing that's going to help that person. Just accept this. Just accept this. Accept it. Uh, but most of the time, it's, uh, I would say, just look at it, see what it is. What is that that is happening? What? It's like the question that uh, on uh, Open Heart that uh, Yu Hong, uh, who's here now, had uh, 
is uh, just have to have to say what is that? Because if you say why, you're going to get a because. Why because why because why the circular. Whereas if you say what, because of the uh, it's a in, inter you're actually interrogating whatever's showing up. You're saying what are you? What is this? Who is this? It's very radical, very direct. And uh, if there's a strong meditation practice happening with that, in other words, a daily practice or even three days a week, even for 20 minutes a day, but some kind of a slow everything down and watch what continues to ramp up. Watch what continues to jump from the from the bank into the pond. You might have to wait quite a while just to watch that movement. But that movement is the very nature of the mind. And the very nature of the mind is cause as the frog flies through the air and effect as it hits the water, it translates the movement of the frog through space into the movement of water. Two completely unrelated things, right? Not exactly. Not exactly. Look close. How do you look close? Look often, hold still and look often to whatever is moving in the mind stream. And, and don't fix it. Don't correct it. Don't get better. Don't improve. Don't do anything with it. Just observe what is real, what is true. Buddha nature does not need you to create it. It's unproduced. It's uh, what's the word for that? Chisho, unproduced. Uh, Anupadaka. Unproduced. It's uh, samadhi is already the case. And, and it's sometimes said that it's in your heart. But it's un you don't produce it. Uh, fundamentally, it probably isn't even in your heart. It doesn't have a location. It doesn't need a location. Something that uh, so, something that vast and profound. Uh, it's not going to need a location. <laughs> That's like Jupiter's moon getting tired of being there and wanting to be wanting to rotate around Mars. And people see that happen, and everybody gets just completely blown away by it. And yet they're totally ignoring the, the most uh, most profound thing they could ever witness or see in their own Buddha nature while they're watching Jupiter's moon wander over to Mars and thinking, oh, my God, will miracles ever cease? Jupiter leaving Jupiter's moon. Which one is what moon is it that leaves? Which what what moon is it that leaves and goes from Jupiter over to Mars? Io. Io? Yeah, Io. it's Io. Most people don't know that. Most people don't see it. And I wouldn't share it with anybody. I mean, make them work for it. <laughs> Anupadaka, unproduced. Anupadaka, it's, it's, it's already there in front of you. It's, it could Stop covering it up. And how do you do that? You look at the covers. And the covers are not easy to look at because it, it doesn't feel like any progress. That's why it's so important to have the three jewels, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the teaching person, what is being taught, simply put, and the community. Without those three, well, even with those three, there's no guarantee. But without those three, uh, more difficult. Another question from Kiyosaku. Very good. Let's say I stub my toe and my reaction is to punch the wall. In that moment, I was being time but yet destructive. Would you say destruction and evil can be authentic time? <laughs> uh, boy, that's a pretty, you might have to talk to, uh, you might have to talk to, uh, 
somebody else about that. I don't know. That's can you break that down into a more simple thing where I don't get where my whole uh, intellect doesn't doesn't start to melt down into lime jello? Give me a one give me a one part question, not a three part. Please. Does it look like he's gonna do that or is he just gonna give up on me? <laughs> if I you, don't know. Okay. I have a question in the meantime. Go ahead. How do you teach um, a definite form in a soft way? Well, uh, a form that not everyone would know about it, but there's a form that we do uh, in the in the zendo where you come up and you offer incense uh, as a show as a the um, uh, the doshi to the altar. And there's a certain way to do that, and there's a certain way you're instructed to do that, and uh, and you're told to do that. And then the person who's standing next to you, who's teaching you that form, um, works with you. And you know, I don't think it feel does it feel particularly materialistic there that way. Uh, pretty soft. Uh, that doesn't mean that if you are missing a step or you, you're not you're not raising your arms high enough or or if when you, um, um, where, when you drop the arm down to cause the, the, the a flame on the incense to go out, you know, and, and the incense breaks, uh, chances are the person isn't going to yell at you. They might say something about the way in which you're dropping the arm, but they would work with you where you're at. And somebody as tall as you are, I mean, it's hard to see up into the clouds where you're at up there and it really help you out because you're so far away from the ground. And you never heard anybody yell at you and say, get down here for the rest of us. <laughs> I'm saying that the form, I mean, I, I, I've, there's other things I could go into, but there quite often what is important is to when you teach someone the form, when I teach someone the form, I watch how they do it. I teach them as best I can. And then I get the hell out of there and I watch how they do it. And if somebody else uh, sees you doing that form in a way that they weren't taught and they come up and correct you, uh, then, then they started to, to harden the form. They think you're wrong. And they'll come up. And if I see them do that, I'll swat them on, which is a hard form. But I get to do that. So that's what this is for. So what am I saying? I'm saying allow someone to learn at whatever speed they learn. This is a soft form. Uh, to harden that up and try to get them to comply. Uh, yeah. So occasionally you, you'll, you'll notice that when maybe you've done it. Maybe you see, you know, maybe you've learned to do this form. And then you see someone doing it and you're not, it's not your job to train them. But you decide to step into that situation and correct them. Don't let me see you do that. And why do I say that? I'm not gonna. I probably wouldn't say anything to you, but I might say something to the the Sukansu, or the Shuso, or the Eno, or someone else who in the in the line there the uh, to to make sure that that person understands what they're doing to see if. If they're trying to do that, but they forgot or so it's a, there's a soft approach to it. It's just like we might listen to somebody 
in the dawn position chant the chants in a way that uh, is off for a while. Uh, we might, uh, the last thing I remember somebody being trained, uh, they, they were dropping their tone. They've been trained at another place in another temple, monastery, or whatever, and they were changing their tone. I don't think we came up and yelled at them about it. We said, just uh, don't drop your tone here. Just keep it up. We do this a little bit differently. So the way we chant the sutras is very specific. And uh, and some of it is very, very traditional. My son, who was, a, who was also a monk, a mason, lived in Japan for a couple of years and had a lot of training. And he did a lot of the initial training when we were first starting along with Shoho Mike, you know, and, uh, and I've followed some of it and some of it I don't follow. Like no one, if you're sitting in our, in our Zendo, maybe uh, surprising, but no one will ever come up and correct your posture. But any other Zen place you go in, people would, they'll fool around with a body they don't even have that isn't their body and think that they know how you should look or how you, how straight your back should be. This is just, I, I get, uh, since I, I followed that for so many years and did as I was told and, and hurt myself doing what I was told, hurt my legs, hurt my knees by trying to live up to some kind of standard. So I had to learn, we say the hard way, you thought I'd learned something in the Marine Corps, but apparently that I pushed that away as soon as I could. And then, and then I went through that. And so it took a while for years for me to realize this is not a, a good way to work with this. It's just pushing people's bodies around when it's not your body. So I know some people who can sit down and sit cross-legged and sit there all day long and hardly move at all. And I know other people, I'm one of them, who can't sit still very long at all. Any for any length of time without being in extreme pain, even when I was young. So I don't know if my response to that, I've kind of gone off a little bit, but I'm going to say it's it's always situational. It's never, there's never a rule where you follow the, if you're following any kind of a rule, I mean, you need the form to observe. That's the first thing Coben, when I said, uh, uh, talked to Coben, I said, I'd like to uh, uh, take uh, vows with you. And he practically barked at me. As a, he was, he was, he, he talked like a feather until I asked him to be my teacher. And then he started talking like a, a stick that was on fire. He said, you don't, you don't take forms, you observe them. And it took me a while to understand what he meant by that. But you, you need to observe the form. So then the causes and conditions that are rising in your mind stream, in your body form, uh, can't, will align themselves with whatever that form is. And that way you observe it. You know that the observation is to help you train your mind. So you relate to it in a in a as soft and accommodating a way as possible without following orders and trying to live up to a standard. More Shoto. Shoto bowing. I tend to vacillate from like the example you gave, just outright stepping in and correcting someone, and you've told me that that was a misunderstanding. And then to kind of recoil back from that and to be overly tentative and not um, work with somebody. So just kind of a fear of um, meddling. So what's the middle, the middle way um, when working with that? Yeah, just, uh, um, just communicate with them. I mean, if, if you're, if someone is doing something, you'd say, were you, is that how you were uh, talk, like like the situation that happened not too long with the Han and Bell, where you corrected Gozan, wasn't it you? Yeah, where you came and corrected Gozan. 
instead of uh, asking her and interacting with her around that, instead you came in and said, I don't know what you, I can't quote you, but you're doing that wrong. Wasn't that something like, well, let's get, let, come on. You want to help people and say what I'm asking you. Yeah. 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 And so not, not appropriate to come up, even though what you understand is do, uh, they might be doing it outside of the forum, but you might want to interact with them around it and include them in what you're doing rather than just give them orders. Like you're the, you're the corporal and they're the private first class. It's not the military. More? Or did you misunderstand me? <laughs> Kyosaku has simplified the question. Has uh, Did Shoto leave the monastery? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Kyosaku. Can Buddha nature be evil? Well, you could think that there's no such thing as evil. Evil is a creation to help people control stuff. There is no, there's just, everything is basically good. It's just confused and operates out of fear and can be horrible. People can torture each other, take whole armies into war and, and starve whole populations as Stalin did in the 1930s out of fear of losing control. So it's fear. It's not evil. If you're going to use the word evil, then at least don't spell it with an E. Spell it with an I. And of course, I'm being silly, but I'm saying, what what good is it? What is it? It just sets up a polarity that takes us more into war and peace. Stop it. Don't do that. Every, everything is uh, everything is uh, uh, a suffering, and people have different ways of handling it. Some people are. Uh, end their suffering by trying to be a person who's kind. And so they become a nurse so that people will think of them as a nurse and they're a kind person and they are helpful. But it's just uh, working with identity in a way that's about manipulation. Not wrong. We need nurses. But then other people, they might have tried that and that doesn't work. So they, they're trying to figure out some way to work with their fear. So they start to go into some other area that you might call evil, like robbing people or running a gang or uh, killing people for money. It's just so many ways of doing or taking uh, going into uh, uh, some some uh, religious uh, situations are very, very intensely controlling. And of course, it develops into horrible things like 9-11 and so on. But th th those people, are the beings that are there are doing the best they can to deal with what they've been taught, what they understand and trusting others who are all about manipulating people. But not evil. It's not evil. That's a misunderstanding. Uh, after I'm saying this, if, if you would prefer to work in a more theistic approach where there are angels and devils and, and gods and demons and all that, that's up to you. I'm not going to take that away from you. Maybe that's the only thing you can do that works for you. If you need to do it, then do it. But uh, on this path, as a Buddhist uh, teacher, a teacher, a Dharma teacher, uh, I can't I can't align. If, if that's true, then I'm evil. If, there, if, evil is, if evil is true as something, then I have evil come and go in me all the time. It's been trying forever to get a hold of me, to get me to act like a devil or act uh, in an unkind way to people. I'm not going to do that. So when I say that, that doesn't mean I'm particularly stubborn. It just means that I don't believe my thoughts and my emotions. And if you believe your thoughts and, and your emotions, you're probably going to go in circles.
doesn't mean you go the other way and disbelieve them. That's why it seems to take a lot of mind training to do this. And why I spent 35 years looking at this before I even stepped into a, situ a situation where I'm actually presumed to be some kind of a person who understands. Thank you for sh uh, simplifying that question. Cheryl Bowing, I have, I have another on our previous questioning. Please go ahead. What does it mean for a form to function to support someone's awareness and if it's not just learning how to repeat something correctly? <laughs> So that's the only option I have is just have to learn how to repeat something correctly. Otherwise, this is not going to work. It's about awareness. It's never a right and wrong or extra, correct and incorrect or extra. All the polarities are, are we need them because they're part of, of ultimate truth, but they are a relative part of it. Right is not separate from wrong. Life is not separate from death. May look like it to you. Buddhas are not separate from sentient beings. Enlightenment is not separate from delusion. That's what that's what it's called. What's what transcendence is called? There is still a being, but there's no being. There's still this, but it's empty of thisness. And so it's a way of practicing. So you are being introduced to this slowly, so that you can actually ask such a question, so that I can say, uh, "What am I going to say? I want to repeat your question. Paraphrase it." See if you can see if you know what you really ask me. See if you know what you really ask me. You can paraphrase that. Simple, straightforward question. Ask me again. What is the support we receive from form? Very good. The support you receive from form is that you see that even though it's a very established and an obvious form, you never can repeat it. So therefore you try to repeat it. In other words, try it's not even trying. You just see the form, you observe the form and you align yourself with the form. But you can, nothing ever happens twice. That's an illusion. There isn't anything else. So there can't, there can't be something else. So it can't happen twice. If it happens twice, then we got two things that happened that are the same. <laughs> That's fishy. <laughs> well, I don't know if fishy is the right word, but I don't really want to insult the fish. Plenty of room for questions there, Shoto, if you want to keep coming. Unless you want to deconstruct this. Or we can stop. It seems personally like... You were talking at the beginning that military tightness. Um, I wasn't in the military, but through my training through work and different things, it's kind of the way I picked up to work with forms is it's about being correct. Yeah. And there's just a lot of confusion in that area for me. And especially now that I'm functioning as, you know, trying to help other people learn the forms. So I, I just, I guess the question is, how do we work with others without our confusion 
meddling with their practice. That it? Yeah. All you have to do is be aware of it. Just if you're if you just are aware that there's that one of your intentions, uh, as it shows up, uh, in, uh, seems to be at first to to uh, straighten out the form, so you're actually teaching them or helping them apply that form or do that kind of a of a uh, move with with the the, the, the Han and Bell or the Gong or the uh, at the altar or wh whatever the form may be. If you're talking about that particular uh, form in the in the meditation hall in the zendo, then it would just be it would just just do the best you can to show someone how to do that, but don't don't tighten down on it so that you squeeze a result out of them that is more about you being a good trainer rather than them working with their awareness. It needs to be about always about others, never 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 particularly about how what a great teacher we are or something. It needs to be about fundamentally helping them see the truth themselves. And that may be, that may show up in lots of different ways. So, like the way you asked the question was, how can I do that without meddling? So, you, you can't really stop meddling until you acknowledge that you meddle. So, you can't, you have to just watch the meddling. Uh, it's kind of a, a feeling of... Uh, uh, helplessness that you're you're not going to correct it. You're willing to be at, you're willing to be at cause for everything. You're willing to be the blame for everything. I mean, that's not that anyone's blaming you. A very interesting area, and I would say not by way. I'm not complimenting you at all. I don't. You don't need a compliment. I'm just describing something. And I'm describing it this way. I think you're doing good. I think you're doing fine. I would just say, just keep going. Just continue. The 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 path up the mountain for you, the path up the, up the mountain for uh, for Chi Zan or Chi Shou or uh, Yu Hong or anyone is going to have a different kind of terrain. And uh, that's why you're here. You're in a monastery. You're you're as of November. You're a fully ordained uh, monk. And uh, you're on the side of a mountain, so to speak, to use that, and you're doing good. Just keep going. It's just, just a matter of continuing. The kind of shrubbery and sinkholes and underbrush that you personally run into, person right next to you isn't going to run into those. They're going to have their own. There's going to be bumping their head in tree, into tree limbs to use uh, simple kinds of images. Just Each person is so incredibly different. In order to help them, the important thing is to Introduce them to the form with their permission and then watch how they can't do it according to your, uh, and then look and watch, watch, observe them, how they, how they can't quite show up to the form in which the way that you perfected it yourself or so very interesting area. And it's a very, uh, an area that will show you about what your, what your hidden uh, disdain is for others. You know what I mean? You're hidden. Kind of, you don't really realize it until you train somebody to do something. You see, they don't quite get it. And then you want to, I'm not just saying you, but any of us might want to rush in and well, here, let me No, You need to hold this a little higher. No, this, no, don't, 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 no, 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 no
I'll do it that way. Push the, How many times do I have to tell you? Hold this here and move this here. I'm not saying you're saying that, but that kind of stuff comes through uh, if you're in any way looking down on the person you're training. You're always training the Buddha. And she's watching you. So now that you're you're completely uh, self-aware and <laughs> embarrassed about the space you're wandering through, <laughs> you know, just just do the do the best you can. There's no there's no success. There's no failure. Those those things are extra. There's just people who what want to be happy and uh, go about it in odd kinds of ways. You getting that down? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Un- 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 wrote down everything you said, showed a word for word. <laughs> no, you. You wrote down everything I said. She wrote down everything I said, word for word, and she's going to um, correct me later. <laughs> <laughs> Are we good? We're We're way past our appointed time, and since I charged by the hour... You guys, I'm going to have to let you go. <laughs> we can uh, we can dedicate the merit in the monastery, if you would, please. Thank you. I'll talk to John a little bit. John Roadhouse, hang around a little bit before when we're done, if you would, please. The three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna, Paramita. Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect us over Koji Buddha's temple monastery, our Sangha families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with life. 